as I said earlier, gaming for me is a very social event. So I want everybody there to play or have some sort of stakes in the game, like whether they're just yelling at people or you know telling people how terrible they're playing. I, you know, I want it to be a very social event. And so with Starbreach, it works well too, because you can do up to six players. Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and man, my edge has gone dull. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin. I wasn't prepared for that intro, but I have been playing more Infinity. And this is Potter, and because of Paul, I actually am reading books again. Yay! Yes, mission accomplished. It is. And today, we actually have a special guest on us. Uh, we have Chris here with us. He will be talking to us about a uh, cool new game called Starbreach. Hey, thanks for having me. And I'm still straight edge. Yes! All right. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into war games? Uh, and um, what has some of your hobby progress been this week? Sure, sure. Um, I'll give you a, a very brief uh, overview of how I get into war games. Um, I was always kind of a nerdy kid. Um, I loved fantasy, uh, not as much sci-fi when I was a kid, uh, but now that I, now I do. But uh, as a kid, I loved fantasy, and I found out about uh, Dungeons and Dragons at an early age, and got super obsessed with it. And then I saw miniatures and got super obsessed with those. And then I found out there was games you could play with the miniatures, and it's it's been going up. I, I don't want to say downhill because that makes it sound awful. It's been going <laughs> uphill since then. It's been awesome <laughs> ever since I discovered there was miniature games. Yeah, it sounds like a strikingly similar story. Uh, yeah, and I, I discovered uh, gaming and punk rock at the same time um, when I was I was probably about uh, 12 or so. Um, and both things really appealed to me, and I'm still involved in both, which makes me happy. Um, but as far as uh, hobby progress goes, um, I pulled out some of my uh, old original uh, Space Marines, the, the beaky ones that you got in a box of 30 for $25 way back when. Um, painted them very, very poorly. Uh, but since then, I've uh, acquired a bunch from other people. And so I'm keeping the ones that I painted originally because it's sentimental. But the other ones I'm stripping down and I'm repainting um, in garish bright colors to be my next uh, army for uh, Starbreach. Um, Amazing. What, and I'm working on some Quar miniatures. Uh, Zombie Smith makes those. They're really cool-looking miniatures, uh, again, for Starbreach. Uh, and I'm working on a Wood Elf army for Saga Age of Magic. Oh, awesome. I've been meaning to actually look into the new Age of Magic for Saga. I haven't ever played it, but that seems like the entry point where I could get into it. Yeah, it's really fun. I really like it. So I'm working on that new army. And that's uh, that's my hobby progress. Awesome. Continuing with hobby progress or hobby progress, Paul, what have you been up to? Uh, I painted a couple tanks for Chain of Command, uh, which I'm super excited about because I went and and tried to do a, a camouflage pattern. Uh, it it looks like a kindergartner did it, but I figure that's always the first step. 
is is hey, trying man. something new and looking like a kindergartner did it, and then you just get better from there. Yep. Um, or maybe my expectations are are low for myself. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much my my big uh, uh, hobby push because. Uh, oh, oh no. The other thing I did was I built, uh, some Legion models. Uh, Luke came out, so I, I put him together and, and the, the Rebel Trooper upgrade box. Amazing. So that was, Those are cool that, minis that too. Yeah. It's nice to see the, the variety and, and having a few aliens, um, definitely makes it feel, yeah, to, uh, yeah, cool. to break up the normal seven that you get, right? So you're yeah. going to have like mm-hmm. four copies of the same seven minis. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking. For, I'm looking for that to get that for my my stormtroopers too. So, cause for the exact same reason to to break the monotony of yeah, especially with stormtroopers since they're all wearing the same damn thing. Right, right. I know. How about you, yeah. Chris? What you, or Potter? What have you been up to? Uh, so um, not much this week. I've got some paint on Red Skull, which will finish off my MCP core set. I will have every model in that set fully painted. Amazing. Which is astounding. For yeah, me. That's how do you feel painting, getting yeah. ten miniatures painted in like two and a half months? That's pretty. That's pretty solid progress. Yeah, I mean, yes, I did use child labor for four of them, but they <laughs> wanted to do it. They wanted to do it. It was not forced. So, uh, which they're excited. Like, I, my son wants me to pick up Venom for them. Uh, my daughter wants uh, Shuri and Okoye, so I'll be picking those up for. I'll get double packs for those. I already picked up Venom for myself. Um, and then uh, somehow the two of you wrote me in back into Infinity. I don't know how the hell that happened. So I got some Infinity models that are sitting in some green stuff right now to later be painted uh, Black Templar color schemes because I want my Space Knights. I couldn't be less sorry. Uh, and I've I know you're I've not. Been, uh, <laughs> I've been painting Shaz Vosti for Infinity myself. I uh, just finished up a couple new models, so I will have close to 300 points of uh Shazvasti soon just waiting for Corvus Belly to release new of or more of the new minis. Uh I also painted Venom. So I've got my rad Venom all set for the tabletop. Uh, and that's been it for me. Well uh the the cool thing though is that with the uh infinity models that that you guys are painting that could lead you Whoa. down a path of of Say playing uh, Starbreach. Starbreach. I've already done it. Actually, I've already mapped my Shazvasti models to Starbreach models or to Star Starbreach profiles. Um, but let's use that to broach into the main topic and why we brought Chris onto the show, and that is to talk about Starbreach. So, Chris, uh, to put you on the spot here, pretend that you we're you know we're actually bigger podcast celebrities than we than we are, and you <laughs> saw us on an elevator <laughs> at Adepticon. Uh, pitch us on Starbreach. Uh, Star Breach is a model agnostic sci-fi skirmish game. Use any models you want. Uh, there's 20 different factions. The factions don't have specific models that belong to them. They're more of an idea than actual um, specific warbands. So you take the models you want to use, you use them with the profiles you want, and you play on a 3 by 3 surface, and it's about 5 to 10 minis per side. That's pushing a lot of good buttons for me, man. Three by three, lots of cool terrain, sci-fi minis, minis agnostic. That's uh, you're speaking my language. Good. Uh, now, what has your role been in Star Breach? So, uh, I am not the author of Star Breach. Uh, the author, his name is Elijah Kellogg, and uh, I had been following Star Breach, which was a free PDF 
for quite some time. Um, I had been following it and had a lot of interest in it. Um, and then I saw that Elijah was going to be doing some demos in Los Angeles at a game convention. I, I live in San Diego, so it's a, not a long drive. It's about a two-hour drive. So I figured, hey, I'll go up and I'll check it out. You know, I've been checking it, you know, trying it locally. I'll go see what it's all about with the author. Um, I met Elijah and we immediately got along. Uh, we have a, a similar background in, in music. Um, so we bonded over that. Um, and we both have the same philosophy as far as uh, gaming goes in, in that gaming should be fun. Uh, and <laughs> that, that's not... insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So surprise, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people don't look at it as fun. Oh, um, I, I am I'm so. With you. So he had, you know, he was continuing to go with his his free PDF model, um, and he wanted to do a Kickstarter to do some uh, hardback books for the people who were super into the game. And uh, I gave him some advice on doing it, um, and his original idea was just do one run of the books and then be done forever with it. Not done with the game, but just done with having physical copies. Um, and, and then future people could just, you know, grab the, the free PDF and play. Um, I suggested that that probably wasn't a good idea. Um, uh, but he had a really good reason for doing this because he lives overseas, you know, nine months out of the year. So he can't really run a company and ship books. Um, so, uh, I approached him and said, Hey, why don't we partner up? And Slow Death Games can put the book out for you and take care of uh, shipping and distribution and whatnot. Um, And we talked about it for, I don't know, a few days to a week. Uh, Went back and forth with some ideas, uh, came to an agreement. And now we brought him on board as a uh, creative person. And he's going to continue writing uh, Starbreach and the expansions and... And I will continue publishing and shipping the books and dice and everything out to people. Well, that sounds fucking awesome. That's a really cool way to collaborate and to give this game from what I mean, from what I can tell, some much needed breath, right? Because you can release a free PDF and it might not catch fire the same way as people actually having physical books. Surprising as that is in this modern age. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's very surprising. Um, and also we're treating it sort of like... Um, for those of you who have been in bands and, and put out, uh, you know, punk and hardcore records, it's kind of we're kind of having that sort of uh, relationship where it's it's collaborative and it's not, um, you know, we're not doing this to take over the world and uh, and take all everyone's money. Uh, we're doing it just like, hey, we love this stuff and we want to get it into your hands, so uh, we're going to make them and keep them as cheap as possible. Which, yeah, I mean, it's really, really like that. We'll talk about the Kickstarter a little bit toward the end after we get everybody hyped to go back it. Because um, I, I think it's definitely worth the back, but we'll get into that, right? Um, the, the, I think one of the things I want to do and what we normally do is we break down mechanics of games. Real, real, so, real quick, Ken, before, before you, before yeah, you yeah. go on, I got yeah. to make a comment because I'm, I'm new to Minis Agnostic Games, right? And it's amazing how many agnostic games totally scratch that punk rock DIY itch. You know, you oh, yeah. feel you feel like you're you're helping somebody who's working out of their garage and doing it for the love of it, as opposed to you know making the big bucks. And I absolutely love that about. The whole yeah, thing. yeah, and 
you know, and the thing is, you know, there's a, that that saying, you know, how do you make a million dollars in the gaming industry? You start with two million. Right. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody's making money. Um, everyone has day jobs, yeah. um, and there's no reason to, you know, to gouge people on prices or make things expensive. You know, keep. I, I'm doing it in the same way that if if I was going to put out another record because you know, I used to put out records back. A long, long time ago, um, is I, I want to keep it cheap enough that people can pick it up and buy it. I'd rather they, you know, I'd rather these books were in somebody's hand than my garage. For sure. And honestly, it gives people, these games give people, not just Starbreach, but Minis Agnostic games in general, give people a really, really cool way to play with models that they might not have gotten out, but have some sentimental attachment to, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have a, a Dark Eldar army that I painted when I was 14 that I haven't touched in forever, but now, you know, maybe I'll use them for this game because there is literally, like, profiles that I can attach right to those models. Yeah, exactly. Like I've got a bunch of zotes in in my garage. Um, Holy shit! Dude. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and not just not just zotes. I also have um, uh, oh, what were the names of those tiny tyranids? Were they uh, hunter slayers, hunter killers? I can't remember. They were the te- the teeny tiny ones that eventually they redeveloped into um, the gaunts. Uh, whatever those. Yeah, gaunts. So I've got a bunch of those too, and I'm wow. like, oh, you know, it'd be wow. cool to make those into something. Yeah, for um, sure. That's, yeah. that's that's like back rogue trader. I mean, stuff, yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. Zotes, man, that's old Woo. school. Yes, I bought and I bought those models new. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's cr- let's crack into it though. So I'm going to ask you a little, a few questions, and and if what I'm hoping is that you'll be able to act as a proxy for Elijah. Um, yeah, yeah, to, I'll do I'll do my best. Cool. Um, so one of the things that it, it immediately grabbed me about this game as a person who's fascinated with math and is actually working on developing my own miniatures agnostic game, core mechanics are fascinating. And I like that the decision was made to go for a 2d6 conflict resolution, uh, resolution system. Sorry. Could you talk to me a little bit maybe about wh- where Elijah was, uh, when he decided to go with 2d6 and why he made that call? Oh yeah, yeah, def- I definitely can. Um, I can actually answer that one really well. Uh, so, in Elijah used to be super into Frostgrave. I think he still is. I'm not positive he's still playing a lot of it, um, but he was super, super into it. Um, and he was, you know, he was going out running campaigns and demos and, and just playing a ton of it. Um, and he really liked the game, uh, but he didn't like that there was a single D20. Uh, in it because that made it really swingy like every time you roll i mean you could roll super high super low and it it just it it was just swingy um so he really liked the idea of a 3d6 uh bell curve uh to cover up for that you know because with with the bell curve you get kind of a you know you've got your middle point where you're gonna roll average in there um but that still gives you um that still gives you a chance to, you know, have like a really big blow, uh, you know, like an underdog moment, whatever, or you could do pretty poorly, um, but you'll do fairly average. Um, so his plan for star breach was to do two D six and then have a third number, which is kind of a constant. So, uh, in the game that's called your initiative and it's somewhere between one and six on every model. Um, so you roll your, your two D six and then you add your initiative. And that's pretty much every every role in the game. It's 2d6 plus your initiative. 
Yep, which is awesome. And it's a, it, I mean, it, there's not a ton of calculation between roll or between finding out what your attack and defense numbers are. It's really nice for comparison's yeah. sake. You know, there, there are some modifiers like you know, if you're in cover, if you've got higher ground, uh, if there's you know some sort of uh, effect on you. But it's really, it's pretty simple math. Everybody can roll two d six and add a number two pretty quick. Uh, so combat goes really fast. Yeah, and going through all the different profiles uh, over the last week or so as I've been skimming through the book, it seems like there was a definite, uh, like everything was designed in concert to work a specific way in terms of the amount of health every model has uh, and also the damage profiles of the weapons for a certain amount of lethality. And I'm wondering if you had any insight into where that went. Like he was looking for, you know, hero models to average two to three hits or you know you know what I mean like where I'm going with that question just in general how those mechanics tie together yeah and that one I can't answer I'm sorry um oh that's okay uh yeah I, sorry <laughs> I wish I was able to to give you his insight on on that one but uh no it's it's just it's it was it's such a cool slick way that I think you know I haven't I've you know admittedly haven't gotten to the table yet I I have ingested the rules as much as I can and I intend on playing a little bit later this week but it feels like uh, there is a certain amount of uh, there was a lot of care th- given to how much damage specific soldiers would be able to soak. And I just really, really like uh, how it was done. So I guess a question could I could ask you is how does it feel to play the game? Right. Like as you're playing, how, how does the lethality feel to you? Do you feel like the game is lethal enough? Um, do you wish it was a little more? No, no, I, I think it's perfect how it is, uh, because you're not, most of the time you're not going to kill things in one shot. I mean, if you're very lucky, you are. Uh, so, and especially with a, with a small model count game, like every time you lose a model, it's kind of like, uh, I lost that guy. And especially if you haven't done anything with that model, uh, kind of hurts. But, um, so I, I like where it's at. I think it's in a, in a good position as far as how long models survive on the table. Um, and you know, there's also, uh, the, uh, mechanic of the game where you can heal. So even if you're, you know, you're, you're getting hit a lot, you can, uh, heal and make a comeback for sure. And, and, uh, Paul Potter, do you guys have any further questions about the 2d6? I do. Um, and, and this probably comes from me just not quite having the time to sit down with the rules as much as I would have liked. I have to admit that at this moment. Um, but when you are doing your, your simple, uh, roll 2d6 and, and compare it to a number, or add another number to it, what are you comparing it to in order to hit? Are you comparing it to stats on, on other enemies, or is it just a, a general stat that you end up having on, on the one model? It's, it's opposed die rolls. So it, say I'm going to shoot at your model, I roll 2d6, add my initiative, uh, and then you roll 2d6 and add your initiative. If I'm higher than you, I've hit you. If I'm lower than you, uh, I haven't hit you. Oh, okay. That's, that's okay, fantastic. Okay, that makes sense. That's that's super simple compared to something like a War Machine 2D6. Yeah, yeah, and there's plus and minuses on either side too, right? For Correct. cover or whatever. Uh, yeah. Higher ground. And then and then you take that number and you subtract their armor value and whatever is left over is uh, wounds that could potentially go into it. Um, and that's so all coming from the same roll? Yeah, all coming from the same roll. That's that's pretty damn mm. slick. I like that. Yeah, I like it's easy. real. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I like that you don't necessarily have to go and, and compare multiple stats to to get to uh, the damage. And, yeah, and all that. I, I I feel like the frost yeah, it helps, influence. It helps make it... Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. 
Oh, yeah, I was just saying, like, it, it, it feels good when you're doing something like that, because then, then you're not feels like you're not forced to memorize your opponent's, you know, abilities and rules, as well as your own, which can cause some issues, you know, for people like me that, you know, don't really like to read all that much and memorize all that much. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, and as I was going to say, that that's a lot of the Frost Gave influence on the sleeve there. It makes conflict resolution very simple and straightforward. Yeah, which I, I love. Because when I play games, I want to, you know, for me, gaming is social. That's the most important part. Um, mm-hmm, I want to play mm-hmm. games with people that I like to spend time with. And so I would mm-hmm. much rather spend time hanging out and talking and, you know, drinking soda and eating snacks. And So 2d6 out of the way. Uh, okay. I have a, one more core mechanic that I want to go over, okay. and that is the order dice. Okay. Um, so the first time I ever encountered this mechanic was with, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about Zotes and an old school rogue trader, uh, another Rick Priestley design, uh, which would be bolt action and then subsequently gates of Antares. Now the implementation here is a little bit different, um, but I was hoping that you could walk us through, uh, how the order dice in star breach differ from those in bolt action and gates of Antares. Sure. Um, so it's the same basic concept you, you know you get one order die for each model in your army you throw them together in a, in a common pool so you know put them in a bag or a cup or whatever shake it up you pull it out uh if it's one of your dice then you assign it to one of your models if it's uh if it's one of your opponents they assign it to one of theirs um each there's six different actions in the game uh we make some proprietary dice which are not required uh use whatever dice you want uh, if you want to buy our dice please do um but each side does something. Um, and so you assign that to, you know, it's, you know, fire, move, uh, heal, a couple other uh, things. Um, so the, uh, I really like it because it keeps you guessing on like, oh, you know, which, which guy, you know, am I going to get the next turn or is he going to get the next turn? If, you know, if I do, which guy do I want to move or, or do whatever with, uh, you assign them the action, they do the action, then it goes on to the next guy. All right, so awesome. That's really cool. I think that uh, that goes over the the main portion of the order dice system, and I think the one of the cooler things is what you've done outside of what those previous designs have done here is the uh, special actions phase, which comes after all of those dice have actually been pulled out of that that bag or cup that you alluded to. Um, you want to to give us a little bit about the extra spice that that phase ends sure sure so uh after you know after you've gone through all your dice uh there is a special actions phase where your alpha who is your leader or your specialist uh can do a couple extra things um so that's the way to make those uh those characters feel a little bit more flavorful so you know instead of being just like hey this is my leader and he's a little bit better in his stats um he gets some extra actions and the actions, you know, there's not as many actions, uh, but it gives you a little bit extra uh, for those guys to do at, in that phase. That's very cool. I think that's, it, it was a very good idea. And I was like super stoked when I read it, like I'm really excited to play it, like specifically to, to go through that phase. It seems really awesome. Yeah. I have a, I have a quick question. Sure. Um, so one of the, one of the, again, this comes down to me not having read as much as I would have liked. Um, one of the challenges with the, the order dice system, um, say in bolt action is that you could potentially end up with somebody getting a run of, you know, three, four dice of their dice pulled in a row. Do you have anything to, 
to counter that from happening? Uh, yeah, yeah. There... After you've pulled three dice uh, of the of the same color, you know, each guy gets his own color. Um, mm-hmm. Then the other person who hasn't gone gets to choose who goes next. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that because then if it's like, all right, well, you know, you've already uh, you've already activated three guys. Go ahead, just do one more. Then I'm just gonna yeah, just, just gonna so, be all my color coming out. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's multiple ways that can go. Um, in most of my games, I like to, if, you know, if I don't get to draw three in a row, I like to go immediately just because I'm pretty aggressive when I play. Um, I like to just, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not a good player of any game. I just like to run at things and, you know, shoot and hit. Um, <laughs> you, you are, you are a man of yeah. my own heart. <laughs> um, and I make, that makes it sound like I'm, you know, I'm terrible at games or, or I don't think, but just, you know, sometimes I like to just like go, crazy and just run into things even though i know i'm gonna die um so it, that kind of rewards me there uh but people who i play against like my my main oppo- opponent byron is much more tactical than me and like he'll think about it if i get three in a row he'll he'll you know he'll look at the table and calculate like hey is it better if i go or you go do i want to force you to mm-hmm. move all your guys or or what um so it, it appeals to uh, all sorts of mindsets yeah, I really, I really like that. That's yeah, because controlling the end of the turn can be a big deal, and also, Paul, a thing you might not be realizing if you haven't read a lot is one of the sides, one of the sides of the order dice is actually a heal, so it's kind of like if you think about like a shield recharge, kind of like in a first yeah. person shooter, right? Like yeah. you can actually use one of the sides of the dice to to give yourself some wounds back, and also anytime you're targeted by a ranged attack, you can pull one of your own dice out of the bag and give the soldier who's being fired on a down order, which gives them a bonus to their initiative for the defense on that roll. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. Very cool. There are some ways to mitigate the the multiple activations against you. Yeah, yeah, and especially that down order, um, you know, you can sacrifice that guy's action, if, you know, if it's important to save him. Yep. Yeah, you just you just never want you, you never want your players to feel like they can't do anything. Um and, and yeah, that's and good I, that that's been thought about in oh, the Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so mechanics out of the way and moving right along. Uh, let's talk about why we're fighting. And in, in terms of that, just just talk, talk about the amount of factions that are in this game. You said 20, and that's right. There's a ton of factions in this game. So if you could uh, talk to us a little bit about why there are so many factions and maybe some of the design philosophy, if you have any of uh, Elijah's insight there. So there's so many different factions to give a wide variety of play styles. Um, you know, you could, you know, you could probably easily have a game with four or six factions and feel pretty satisfied. Um, but 20 gives you a pretty broad range, um, and gives the players more control over what their army is going to be like. So the, the, the design idea behind that is there's no star breach doesn't have a setting. You make your own setting. So you take whatever faction you feel is your play style, and then you make that into your own thing. So if you look at, like, like say, the Legion of Man, go, I really like the way the Legion of Man plays, but I want to have, you know, whatever type of miniatures, then you build it around that. Um, a good example of this is in Phoenix, Arizona, there's a group of people playing Starbreach who have all made Dune armies out of the various factions. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that maybe that helps answer, you know, why why are you fighting? Um, 
make your own universe and that's and what you're fighting because of the reason you want um you know it's not like hey here's this already written fact uh fiction that says these guys hate these guys um make up your own so one yeah, of, one I, of the, one of the things that where that really speaks to me is the fact that I'm totally one of those people who could make up characters for role playing games and come up with really awesome things for them, or at least things that I think are awesome for them, and then <laughs> never play the game. And and to me, like coming up with ideas and and why that character might exist or what their motivations are, to me is is almost more fun than actually sitting down and and playing the role playing game. Um, but I, I love playing miniatures games, so that would allow me to do that and still play the type of game that I prefer. Yeah. You can do both. Yeah, and it also yeah. gives you the freedom, like, like you know, there's, you know, people get in arguments like, what's better, Star Trek or Star Wars? Like, well, put it on the table. <laughs> right. So, so I mean, I, I, this may be more of a logic question, but is is that pretty much the the driving factor of you know, allowing the players to kind of create their own narrative? Is the reason why you know they decided to go with a mini yeah, yeah. game? Um, yes, and also because there's so many miniatures in the world, um, and lots of them aren't being used. Like, think about all the miniatures you buy. Like, um, I, I don't want to pick on Warhammer 40k, but I'm going to pick on Warhammer 40k a little bit. Um, <laughs> Please do. Yeah. No, Please I mean. Do. People love Warhammer 40k. I've played for however many years since Rogue Trader. Um, I don't play currently, mm-hmm. but there's definitely models that people will never use or that get shelved mm-hmm. because they're not so cool yeah. anymore. And why should they just sit on a yeah. shelf? They should you know, use them for something. You bought them and painted them, use them. Or, yeah, or GW arbitrarily gets rid of those models. Yeah, yeah. and I think we very, very, very often mention on this show is that the the standard, the benchmark for quality plastic miniatures is Games Workshop. Like it or not, they make some of the best model kits, if not the best model kits on the market. And maybe the cool model kits don't have the rules you want or you just don't enjoy having to constantly keep up with the Joneses of what the meta killer is in 40K. This allows a person like me who loves 40K models to play with them, but with a rule set that works better for me. Yeah, and you could also, you know, make up your own background. You know, if you decide that yeah, Space sure. Marines should be a bunch of, like, uh, mercenaries from various planets that are just kind of grizzled and, and hardened and just they're fighting for money as opposed to being, you know, super soldiers, you can do that. Yep, yep. And and just to, to give the people listening uh, that maybe don't haven't downloaded the PDF or haven't committed to buying the book yet, these 20 factions, every one of them has uh, like a dozen profiles, two unique special rules, and an arsenal of weaponry that's unique to that faction. All 20 of them. Yeah. Um, it's a significant portion of the book, and it's amazing to go through it. Yeah, when Elijah and I were talking about uh, when he you know, playtested and designed those, like the amount of time he put into it is just it's mind blowing how much time you spend on these. It's staggering yeah, I, amount of quality rules, man. It's just yeah, so cool. I, I actually got to sit down with, uh, so we have, two, we have two guys in the area uh, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. They actually Saturday were playing your game. 
Uh, so, you know, I sat down with them and looked at the faction and just the, 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 the kind of love and attention went into those, the namings of those, those factions, the, the units and, and things like that. Like you could definitely tell, like you guys cared about it going through it and it, it shows in the, in the book. And I, I enjoyed just reading the names of stuff was just entertaining to me and fun to do, which I don't think enough people put into their books when they're naming the stuff. Like they go with the, the generic boring names, you know, the, thanks, you guys thanks. Did a good job. that's all Elijah. He gets all the credit for it. We'll pass that on to him from us. Yeah. Credit to Elijah. <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so moving on from the factions and again, the, you know, you guys can go download the PDF now if you're listening and you, you don't have to take our word for it. You can go look through right now. Um, but g- getting into what I would consider, you know, the, when you think about a game, the core mechanics matter, the factions matter. You have to like want to engage, but the thing is the game needs to be fun. And we've talked about fun and a lot of what brings fun to miniatures games, at least in my opinion, is the scenarios. And f- if we look at your average book right your average core book that you buy for a rule system in general you are rolling on maybe a d6 table or you have a couple scenarios like outside of a few games like Malifaux most games don't have a ton but this book has like 23 or something just a huge amount of uh of scenarios or 25 right so I just was wondering if you had a favorite and you could walk us through your favorite one and describe why the scenarios are so good for this game Oh, I, I don't have a favorite. That's, that's the thing. Um, uh, okay. And the reason for that is because, um, I, I look at scenarios and, and things like that as uh, a designer, because I, I designed a game as well that, Sl- that Slotith Game makes, um, called Wild in the Streets. Yes. And all I think about all day long, like, honestly, <laughs> all I think about is like, how would this make a cool Wild in the Streets scenario? Um, so I've always got scenario <laughs> ideas in my head. Like, if, you know, if I'm at a show, I'm like, Oh, what, why are those, why do those two guys stare, staring at each other? They got beef. Okay. This is the scenario in my head. Or, you know, I'm someplace <laughs> and I'm like, why, you know, these things, like I'm at a record store and I'm like, what if someone threw a punch in here? What would happen? And, you know, so, <laughs> so my ideas on scenarios and just, just to, uh, sorry to clarify, I don't like real life violence. I just think about it. Well, because of gaming. Um, I don't want anybody to punch anybody sure, sure. at a record store. Um, <laughs> That's why we so, have gaming, right? So this way, like, yeah. we get to live out that without actually uh, uh, falling prey to it. Yeah. So um, th- there are a ton of scenarios in the book. Uh, some of them are two-player, uh, some are three-player, and some are four-player. Um, so I really like the four-player scenarios a lot. Um, I think that it's fun to play the game with four players. Um Ideally, I'd love to have six-player games, uh, but those, you know, those those work, but they don't work as well because it's hard for me to get five people to commit to a game, uh, or five other people to commit to a game. Um, so, as far as favorite scenarios go, I love all the four-player scenarios. Those to me are the best ones, and they are all cool. The Met Graveyard one seems yeah, super yeah, fun. that's good, um, and that one works well with three players too. Um, but yeah, that one's a fun one because you've got. Um, you know, you've got the, the junkyard mechs that can do something. So, you know, you've got all four players and then you've also got the junkyard mechs that can attack you. But again, just to, to note again for the people listening, there there are 12 two-player scenarios, uh, six specific three-player scenarios, sp- six specific four-player scenarios, and then a scenario designed for five to six players. So 
tons of ways right out of this book uh, to get some of your old unused, unlo like maybe wanting more love miniatures, some time on the table and some time to shine. That's yeah, that's very unique to to put a six player scenario. Well, and if I can if I can uh, talk about Wild in the Streets again for a minute, um, uh, one of the things when I was designing Wild in the Streets that I had in my head was it shouldn't be a two player game. It should be as many people as show up player game. Uh, because a lot of times if you're hanging out with your gaming friends, like, Oh, there's three of us. So uh, the two of us are going to play and you're going to watch. Or if you do a three player, it always ends up being two against one. Um, so, you know, as I said earlier, gaming for me is a very social event. So I want everybody there to play or have some sort of stakes in the game. Like whether they're just yelling at people or, you know, telling people how terrible they're playing. I, you know, I want it to be a very social event. And so with sure. Starbreach, it works well, too, because you can do up to six players. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It's very well thought out. And the fact that you can have those three and four player scenarios and they're designed and tested. Is I think amazing. that was the first thing I excitedly texted to Chops when I saw the rules. I was like, there's five and six player scenarios. Can <laughs> confirm. That is the first thing. He I don't even have five to it. six friends, but I was so excited about it. Yeah. And, you know, the, there are some games that, you know, multiple player games are tacked on with, you know, without much thought or testing. And it usually ends up being like, well, this would be better if it was just two of us. And mm -hmm. these definitely work as, you know, everybody's playing. You know, all six people get to be involved. Yeah, these don't read like scenarios that weren't tested. It feels like they were played and replayed to make sure that they work properly at the player counts advertised. Like, just reading through them, it's pretty... Yeah, weird. Elijah is obsessive about playtesting. Um, very, very obsessive. And we're actually going to start... I, yeah, I mean, we're going to start playtesting in larger groups. I mean, we've got a, we've got a good uh, core group of playtesters, but we're going to expand on that. Um, because we want more people to play test because the more opinions you have, the better things can end up. All right. So talking, moving on from scenarios, let's talk about how those can integrate into other forms of play. That being uh, campaigns and tournament play. Uh, can you speak to those um, at all? Not as much as Elijah could. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, campaigns are important, I think. Um, especially when you have like a core group of people um, who play together a lot, you kind of want to have a campaign where like, Hey, this is, you know, this game we play is going to affect the next game we play and it gets you more invested in it. I think um, as opposed to just like, Hey, we're going to show up and we're going to roll some dice and then we're going to go home. Yeah, for sure. And, and I can confirm, I spent a little bit of time uh, reading through the tournament rules and the, the campaign rules um, and I, I, what I'll say is for the people listening that maybe haven't read it is it, it's thoughtful in that it suggests a, how you organize the matchups, which I think is really thoughtful because sometimes as a person who's organizing a league, it can be hard just to take that first step into how to organize it, organize it. So the fact that it shows you how to organize, uh, or at least a way, a suggestion on how to organize your campaign amazing same without same with the tournament does the same thing and then in terms of running the campaign basically what you're doing is you're going for prestige uh and and loot and you can really adapt these rules to fit the setting that you design to play the game in which is really really cool yeah and the the tournament rules there, there are tournament rules in the book um 
and the tournament rules are pretty basic. It's just basically don't be a dick. Um, and <laughs> yeah, which I mean, that should be the <laughs> tournament rules for every tournament game. Yeah, there should just be one rule that says don't be everything. A dick. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, but tournaments, you know, rule. people want tournaments. People love tournaments. Um, I don't care for tournaments myself, uh, but I know other people do, and so that's you know it's hopefully something that, that will happen in the future you know there'll be some sort of sanctioned tournament play but um but who knows i would much rather people just play and have fun um but i do know what gamers are like and they want tournaments before we move on to what i think are the the two most fun questions that we have noted i want to ask a specific question because one of the things that it is in the book is saying a large amount of appropriately scaled cool terrain. I think that sentence occurs three or four times that I found it, but I'm curious in your time playing the game, what you find an appropriate amount of cool scaled. As much as you can fit on the table to look cool. Awesome. All right. That is, that is a really good right. yeah. guideline. I think, you know, you don't want to have giant open fire lanes. I mean, you don't want everything blocked so that, you know, people can only, sh- you know, have a two or three inch range of shooting. Um, but you don't want just a couple of things on the table. You want to make the table look like something. And I'm planning on using like an infinity amount of terrain, if that means anything to you for the first couple games that I try, because that feels like the appropriate amount of terrain because it looks awesome. Yeah. And there's yeah, a ton yeah. of it. I don't, I don't play infinity. Um, I've watched a couple of games, but yeah, definitely that much terrain or even more um, or like Necromunda level of terrain. Cool. Like there should be stuff everywhere. Very cool. I, I really love that because to me, part of the appeal of playing these games is the cinematic look and feel of the game as you're playing it. And terrain is always like, it, you know, that extra player, right? The the person, the, the actual player that's not at the board. And I love the idea that this game wants me to use all my cool yeah. looking terrain. Um, when you, you know, roll up to a game store to like hang out or play a game or, you know, talk to friends or whatever, and you see some people playing a game and the ter- they've got a couple of pieces of terrain, like, oh, here's a hill and here's part of a ruined building that's half painted. Like, that makes me so sad. Like, I see that. And I was like, like, why, why, why would you want a bunch of cool stuff on the table? Why wouldn't you want to make it look like, you know, like a sci-fi movie or, or an action movie or something? Like it just, so use terrain, use a lot of it. I totally agree. And I, I can't wait to use it. Well, and, and, and expanding on that a little bit, uh, just, just having terrain that makes sense. Like, like if you're building terrain for like a town or a, a sci-fi city, like set it up so right. it's a town or a sci-fi city. There's so many times where you see people who you, they you might have the terrain you know set up, you know all, all thematic, but then it's just like positioned weird and you, it's obviously positioned for game mechanic wise as opposed to how it looks and, yeah. and how it. Uh, visibly enhances the game uh which is which is just just not something like i feel like we went like there in in gaming there was a push towards that and maybe now the pendulum's swinging back or maybe it's just my gaming i I agree with you like you know when i uh like i said i i don't play a lot of 40k uh but during i think it was maybe like fifth and sixth edition like i would see people playing and it's like oh you clearly put that hill there because it gives you this advantage and you put, you know, this this level of building uh-huh. because right. you can shoot out of it that can't be shot in or whatever nonsense. Um, and it just looked just looks sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, and something that we used <laughs> to do when we were playing a lot well, of 40k was 
one person was set up the set up the train, and the other person got to choose table sides. Right. Yeah, no, what I want to do is put out yeah, like my awesome yeah. city mat, right? Like my neoprene mat that's got like city streets and then populate it so the streets are actually like streets instead of just putting a bunch of terrain so that it's perfectly symmetrical. Um, well, and, and that's uh, exactly what I'm thinking yeah, about, Kevin, is like there's this I can I can envision this this sci-fi street level map at one of the game stores that they have. It's this really beautiful map and it's got these streets and every time I play on it, I want to put like buildings on the corner yeah, yeah. and you know make it a street and and have you know some scattered terrain in the streets. But then anybody else that I see using it, you know, there's a there's a building right in the middle of the street. I'm like, come on, yeah, no. use your material, and, make it look right. Good. And I think this game this game is a really good system for building the map right. you want to. And that's on, and that's well. and that's what uh that's kind of what's got me excited. Yeah, and a three by three table is easy to fill up with a bunch of terrain. It's, it's not hard to do that. Oh yeah! Oh, for very, sure. very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody, any old, uh, old hat like us that's been playing for a while, we've, we've got that collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sci-fi, sure. World War Two, whatever. It's, yep. it, uh, I can field it. <laughs> well, and yeah, and since there's no defined universe for Starbreach, you could use your World War Two train and make it like, oh, it's going to be a weird World War Two thing, or maybe aliens invading uh, during World War Two, or it could be just near. <laughs> Oh, stop. stop. Or could be near oh future. <laughs> like, oh, it's... Yeah, see, and I, I, I love that. I love the idea of, like, alien races. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, just, yeah, definitely. It gives me that Mars um, attack And the, kind of those Quar miniatures I picked up, I want to do something where it's kind of near future with those. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. They look like um, they look like World War One things, but they're aliens with these really long, like, anteater faces. Um, oh, I need to see these. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, zo- zombie smith. They um, are you familiar with an artist named Von Bodhi? He did um, Cheech Wizard and uh, a bunch of stuff in the seventies. Um, a lot of graffiti stuff like stole from him. But the miniatures remind me of his artwork. Just very stylized, like you know, like the the proportions are kind of weird. Um, and so I want to use those for something like like I have this idea in my head that like they're from some alternate universe and somehow they get sucked into this one. And, and it's like, not really like Mars attacks, but more like, like, like whoa, what, what's going on here? Like this is blowing our mind and we got to fight them. So that's uh, that's my idea for those miniatures. And it works with star breach. Cause just do whatever you want. Man. I, I, Super every, rad. every, the more you talk, the more I'm the more excited. I am. I'll be perfectly Very cool. honest. Awesome. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. I'm, I'm in, um, so, um, but one more, uh, before we get down to the actual brass tacks, talking about the Kickstarter, I, one more question. Um, and one thing that we do often on the show, uh, after we review a game, cause we're, you know, we're guys that like jump from system to system pretty often, um, is we like to talk about epic moments that we had while we were playing a specific game. And I was wondering if you could, uh, enlighten us or, you know, like give us just a couple cool anecdotes about cool moments. Sure. That sure. Had so, um, up to this actually point. the last game I played, um, was uh against my my friend byron who i play a lot of games with um and he's working on a dune army um i'm supposed to be working on one but i haven't actually built the models yet um so he he brought his uh his guild navigator army um and he actually uh well he didn't bring it for this game but he uh hand sculpted the third stage navigator from the dave lynch movie you know like the big crazy looking thing like he sculpted one and built the tank um and that's going to be his his mech um 
but uh, he didn't bring it because it wasn't finished yet. But um, so he had his stuff out, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to bring my uh, my Beaky Space Marines." Um, and we were just goofing around, having fun, and his mech destroyed my entire army. And not because it's overpowered, just because I played poorly, but just like like I didn't touch a single model of his. Like I didn't kill a single model because I rolled poorly, I placed poorly, and I just ran into things. And his mech was just destroying everything. So in my mind, I was thinking like, like whoa, like what if that third stage guild navigator like somehow broke out of the tank and just started devouring people? Like how crazy would that be? So in my mind, that was, that was going on the entire game. <laughs> that's fantastic. See, now this that, that's like the type of thing that you need to to like write a bat rep, you know, a narrative bat rep at the end of. Yeah, yeah, which I should have done, but I didn't. So, so I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and just the idea that this that this game can produce those narratives though makes me super excited. And I, I have one thing for you. If you're looking for a Dune army and you're not familiar with the model range mm-hmm. for Beyond the Gates of Antares, uh, th- there is a faction in uh, Beyond mm-hmm. the Gates of Antares called the Freeborn. <laughs> and I don't know that I need to mention who they're explicitly designed yeah. after from the Dune universe. But if you were looking to make a Freeman army, uh, these models translate one to one. You know, just throwing that out there for you. Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to do a Sardaukar army. Um, and I actually did pick oh. up some Gates of Antares miniatures. Um, the uh, the Al- Algorin. The Algorin, yeah, for Algorin, sure. Algorin, yeah. Uh, the Armored Infantry. Or because, you know, in, in the in the Lynch movie, which I love that Lynch movie. Like, that thing visually is so amazing. Well, Even what though, Lynch you know, movie yeah. isn't visually amazing? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's 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 based on the book. I mean, it's not, it's not the book, but I still, I still think it's a great sci-fi movie. It's like one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever because sci-fi yeah. in my mind should be weird and bizarre and should like, it should hurt you to think about. Um, it shouldn't just be like, Hey, I'm a future soldier and I've got a laser gun instead of a, a shotgun. Um, so, you know, in the Sardaukar and that, they look like they're in trash bags, which is funny. Um, but I wanted to make Sardaukar that were in like, like heavily armored, but not looking like space Marines. Um, so I saw those gates of Antari minis. And I was like, that's it. That's what's in my head. Like those guys is exactly what yeah. I think they should be. So I'm going to paint some of those up and I haven't decided what color I'm going to paint them. Um, I don't want to paint them black because I think it would be boring. I was thinking about doing something like really bright, like orange, maybe um, just like, you know, like they're going into battle and they're so full of themselves and like, so sure of like, We'll just wear bright orange armor. What are you going to do? We're going to kill you. Even in our bright orange armor, you can't shoot us. Yeah, and I, I can confirm, the, and you had the pronunciation right. It's Algorin. I call them Algorin because in the lore, they're like super environmental. So the way that I like remember Al-Gor. them is thinking of them like Algorin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Wow. So, so, so I call them Algorin. Uh, but, that was but, an inconvenience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Boo. But I, <laughs> Bad, I, dead uh, pun for the night. I, uh, I painted mine up in like synthwave colors, like bright blues and pinks and purples, and they look really good in bright colors. Uh, so definitely go with that, like real bright orange. Yeah, I, I think that they would look good in like in a bright color because, you know, they, the, the power armor in them looks kind of, I mean, it looks like power armor, but it's semi-organic looking, you know, like it's got like good, yep. good curves and stuff. So I figure like, like, yeah, that'd be cool in, like, bright colors because there's so many, like, nooks and crannies to, like, put shadows and stuff in. 
Yeah, it'll look. They they do take bright colors very well. I'm just saying, can confirm. Okay. Go with your gut there. Bright is the way. All right. So yeah, bright orange. I'm gonna do it then. They've just All moved right. up. And then the last thing we wanted to talk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Moved up your painting cue. Good. Yeah, yeah. They're next now. <laughs> Dude, speaking of moving up my painting queue, right. I need to go buy so many of these Quar miniatures because I have not seen one that I don't absolutely love. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like ant eaters riding tri- triceratop rabbit things. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, I was looking right, as we were doing the pre-show. As soon as as soon as Chris mentioned it, I went to the site and I was cracking up at some of those minis. Um, so. Now, talking, the last question I want to talk about is giving you a second to pitch the Kickstarter. So for the people that are still with us, they're excited to possibly play the game. Maybe they missed the Kickstarter. Maybe they didn't. But let's just talk about the Kickstarter, talk about what you're going for, and talk about maybe if they are late, what they can do to get the dice or softcover book. Sure, sure. So we're we're doing a Kickstarter to fund the softcover book, um, to fund the printing of it, uh, and get some dice made. Well, most of the dice are already made, um, but, you know, getting more dice made. Um, so, uh, and we're, we're doing it pretty cheaply. Um, you, can, you can get into the Kickstarter if you want just the book. Uh, the pledge for that is 15 bucks uh, plus shipping. So you're probably looking at about $25 after shipping um, or somewhere around there. I don't know. Depends on, on uh, where you are. Um, so it's, it's cheap to get into. Um, if you want the a book and two sets of dice that'd be enough for you and a friend to play just add some miniatures uh that's 40 bucks um plus shipping uh and if you want just the dice it's 25 and you'd get two sets of dice and then of course there's add-ons add more sets of dice add more books uh those types of things um so we're doing the kickstarter so that we can both pay for the the printing of the book uh and get people interested in it um because it kickstarters really help uh, get the word out about games. Um, and it's, and our Kickstarter has gone way, way better than we thought it would. Like we thought a couple people would be into it and we'd, we'd fund and we'd make the book and get people excited afterwards. But like people are excited and we're excited. Like we're blown away by the, uh, by the number of people who have pledged and, and backed it. Um, so the Kickstarter is going to run until the 9th of February. Um, and if you miss the Kickstarter, uh, because it's, you know, you might be listening, it's after the ninth, um, we'll have the books at, uh, at our website, slowdeathgames.com. Uh, we'll have it at conventions that we go to. If it's printed, if we get the book printed in time, we'll have them at Adepticon. Um, and that's a really big if. Um, otherwise, you can buy them online. Uh, we're trying to get them into stores. Uh, so hopefully we'll get a deal with the distributor to get them into stores. We'll also deal direct with stores. So if you're a store and you're listening to this and you want Starbreach, contact me. I will deal direct. Um, and yeah, so that's uh, that's our Kickstarter. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't ramble on too much about it. Um, but again, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, Brendan's overwhelmed. Elijah's overwhelmed. We're all overwhelmed with with the support and that people believe in us enough to trust us with their money to print this book. Yeah, I uh, you made a convert out of me. I actually backed it today earlier before the show. Oh, awesome! So. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do that as well because it's 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 right up my alley. I'm super excited about this, and and it's funny too because Brendan reached out to us earlier in the week, and then uh, or I guess last week, and then 
just the same day or, or the next day, our friend Britt, who, who Potter saw playing the game over the weekend, had sent me the PDF, was like, check out this game. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're talking right. about about this on on monday like totally coincidental uh that it showed up all of a sudden so that's uh that's that's pretty exciting yeah yeah because you 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 guys have gotten pretty big into the the minis agnostic uh kind of stuff and you know i still haven't taken that dive yet so maybe i'll have to take a take a deeper look at these rules and see what's up maybe i'll actually bring some 40k models out of you know dusting cool thing is you could take your 40k models like if you've got some Imperial Guard and some Space Marines and something else and put them into one army. Or you can do things like, like, oh, I've got these Tau and I've also got these other aliens. So I'm going to put those together. You know, just do what you want. You don't have to bring just one type of miniature. You can, you can use whatever you want. For sure. But I also like that it was thoughtfully designed that there are definitely some plug and play applications. Like, if you really just have one army, like the, in general, if you have a 40k army, you can plug it into one of these yeah. forces. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. there's definitely um, you know ideas in some of the armies that you can go like, oh, this is definitely going to be my Space Marine army, or this is definitely going to be my Eldar army, uh, because it's it's pretty much what how they would play. Um, but don't feel constrained by that. Like if you like the rules for Legion of Man and you want to use them with your Eldar, then go ahead. Like if Eldar to you are like tough and, you know, they're the ones who are on the front line and destroying everything and can hold, you know, they can throw a punch and take a punch, then make your Eldar into that. Don't, don't be constrained and say, well, Eldar are always weak and they hide behind things. Do, do what you want. (laughs) That's true. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I'm going to be playing. uh, I have some Harlequins that never get any use and I'm looking at trying them as a continuum syndicate force, like right out, right out the date, right out the gates. Looks awesome. Yeah, that's actually a good match. You know, if you see, if you're at a game store or at a convention, you see some miniatures that look cool. You can pick them up and then figure out what you're going to do with them later. Like these are cool. Don't want to do with them. Buy them, take them home, and go. Eh, you know, I'll try them as you know continuum. I'll try them as you know whatever. And then if they don't work, then go. Well, maybe they'd be better as. Uh, this thing and then try them in a different list right and that's the advantage to having so many factions yeah you whatever you have laying around will work yeah you find you find the faction that works for you um and you're not like if you go wow i really like the way that you know nomadic raiders play like this is my play style and if there was specific models that went with it you go wow but i don't like the way they look i like the way that the legion of man looks but i want to use the nomadic raiders rules you can and no one's gonna care nope do what you want yeah exactly so chris what kind of uh you mentioned adepticon what kind of booth are you guys gonna have set up there you gonna have you know stuff to look at from a demo perspective or you just well we'll have uh we'll have two demo tables two small demo tables uh for wild in the streets and for uh star breach and uh we will have Wild in the Street stuff for sale for sure, uh, and hopefully we will have the Star Breach books by then. Um, it's going to be close, um, but hopefully we'll have them. And uh, but we'll definitely have dice, which probably won't be too exciting for most people. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have the the two demo tables, and uh, and we'll be playing games after hours. And just uh, I have this idea, um, and I think everyone should uh, do this is 
take your miniatures and go play on somebody else's table. Um, like, uh, are you guys familiar with uh, Black Sight Studios? They make uh, uh, yes. laser Oh, yes. Yeah. You know uh-huh. what? Mm-hmm. Go over there with your miniatures and play a game on their table. Just just do it. <laughs> just do it. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, Love they're it. not going to they're not going to say no. Those guys are awesome. Like those guys are great dudes. And if, I bet if you went over there and said, like, hey, dude, can we play on your table for half an hour? Then it would be good for them because then people would see like, oh, hey, someone's using their terrain. Or, you know, yeah. or anybody else that makes, like, generic laser cut terrain or whatever terrain. Just go play on their tables. All right. I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to be at Adepticon the whole time. And I actually don't have a lot on my schedule because I'm planning on a lot of uh, open play uh, with some listeners. And I think we're going to come buy some dice. I'm going to urge two or three of my local guys to have a thing set up. And we will do that. We will squat somebody's bench or somebody's booth and we will play on their terrain. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to do it. I'm I'm committing to you. You can look for me, look for my badge. I will be there. I will buy some dice and we will do it. Awesome. Yeah, I will be stuck at the booth probably the entire time. Uh but after hours, I'm going to be excited about playing games. All right, cool. And and I'm making a commitment to have Chops Ninja shop me the Strange <laughs> Gang. All right. <laughs> awesome. <Can do. laughs> yeah, at some point when I make a miniature of myself, it will be in the Straight Edge Gang for Wild in the Streets. But, awesome. but I'm gonna make awesome. I, I'm gonna make a miniature <laughs> nice. of myself as a teenager because nobody wants a middle aged dude as a miniature. So I'll find a a cool picture of myself as a teenager and make a miniature of that. Well, well you can you got to go with the theory of old punks never die; they just stand in the back. Yeah, <laughs> but again, who who wants some you know schlubby looking middle aged guy in their gang? You want you want some wi- wiry that's... kid that's gonna you know throw punches. That's true. That's true. (laughs) All right. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was, it was really great to talk to you guys. Yeah, we, we, we definitely appreciate you coming on and uh, all that stuff and, and reaching out too. I mean, it's just, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And thank you for uh, believing in what we do. Oh no, of course you guys are doing some great work. Thank you so much. All right, guys. I think that wraps us about up, uh, wraps wraps us up. Uh, So we'll just take a second to uh, thank our patrons. So uh, for all our patrons out there, again, our deepest thank you. Uh, If you want to catch us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places at Three Men and a War Game. Uh, also, if you are not on our discord, uh, you need to get on the discord. There'll be a link in the show description. Uh, as I've been noting, we're way over a hundred members now. And as such, we have conversations in all of our different channels. Uh, and if you want to talk about star breach, uh, after you hear this, I'm sure we will be on the discord willing to talk. So jump on and, uh, get engaged with us. Oh, can, uh, I, always, can I plug our social thanks, media? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, please. I didn't do. mean to interrupt. Oh uh, yeah. Please, no, so, please do. Uh, so you can you can download the uh, free PDF at starbreach.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We have a uh, Slow Death Games. So just search for Slow Death Games. You'll find our uh, our brand page. Uh, we've also got a Starbreach fan group uh, and a Wild in the Streets fan group. Uh, and we've got a Discord, but I don't know how to search for Discord. Maybe maybe I'm an idiot and I don't know how to do that. But so we have Discord, Facebook, uh, Instagram is Slow Death Games, Wild in the Streets game, and Starbreach. I'll tell you what, Chris, we, we will, after the show, get the Discord link from you, and we will link to your Discord in our show description. Oh, awesome. Thanks. 
Yep. Yep. We'll make sure it's there. And then uh, one last thank you. We have to thank uh, Static is the City for the awesome uh, post-hardcore music at the beginning and, and end of the show. Um, so that's always appreciated. And as always, guys, bye!